CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So I've got this guy, Gary Lynch, on the show today, and he's a sight to be seen, but it's radio, and that's not really possible, but I'll describe him. Six foot four, 300 pounds, solid muscle, former strongman. And I think he confessed on the show to having impersonated Stone Cold Steve Austin on many occasions. But today's show isn't all about the 80s, although we do wax poetic in genetics therapy style about rotary phones and how long the cord was in your parents' kitchen. Did it reach to the second floor? Because if it did, you know you're an 80s kid. Gary works for Verizon, but not the part you might think. He works for a division of the company focused on, get this, healthcare. Yes, it's real, it's happening, and he's here in studio in all of his six-foot-fourness to talk to me about what they're doing on the back end to make healthcare suck less for millions of Americans. Enjoy the show. Gary Lynch, my first strongman here, and you really are. Sorry. Right? You were a strongman? I was, yeah. Competed professionally up until about five years ago. You know, I can't tell because we're on the radio. we are brothers from another mother same barber same beard same salt and pepper except i am not (laughs) a strong man that's good yes you you mentioned before the show like uh you know you were bullied and you just wanted to beat the crap out of people and got big for it right (laughs) motivation right (laughs) and i got a twin brother so you know twin you got a twin brother. Identical? Like we're fraternal. Okay, okay. But he's he's a large guy and you know, so growing up there was a lot of a lot of daring, a lot of being challenged, and mm-hmm. you know, we both became very tough as a result. So he was a fighter as well. I have twins. Oh, you do? Boy and a girl, they're twelve now. Oh wow. They don't fight. <laughs> We've <laughs> That's done good. a good job with parenting. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what they're going to want to be when they grow up. She likes astrophysics, and he likes dirt. Oh, my goodness. Which okay. is a good boy. He likes dirt. Yeah. Remember dirt? <laughs> <laughs> Remember playgrounds with concrete and steel? <laughs> I didn't see a whole lot of that in New York City coming in today, and you know, no. saw some kids playing on, like, AstroTurf or something. and They've styrofoamed the whole city. Yeah. It's like you can't get hurt anymore. Right. I yeah. mean, like, God forbid you get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, like it's Gen X therapy. Like, yeah. I mean, we got hurt. Right. Back in my day, we got hurt. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? In Dallas. Okay, so is that considered rural America? Well, so actually it was Fort Worth, kind of West Fort Worth. So okay. I was. Yeah. Yeah, I was. We were close to the big city, but it was it was kind of rural. I mean, unless you forget I'm from New York and everything west of Jersey is like China. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. 
<laughs> yeah, which has also become something of interest to me. I went to Binghamton University okay. in upstate New York, and I didn't even know there was an upstate New York. It was just New York is here, Manhattan. <laughs> right. Right? But it was my first experience realizing that, oh, my God, there's people that have flat A's in St. Matthew. <laughs> what is this crazy language you speak? I love having like tech nerds on the show because we have an interesting history of understanding life before the internet, which is Gen X yes. anyway. Mm. So I guess my first question is how long was the telephone cord in your mom's <laughs> kitchen? And was it yellow and rotary and dial or push button? It was, it was yellow and rotary, kind of off yellow, if you will. Yeah. Very long. Yeah. I could actually leave the kitchen into the living room. Could you talk like, do you have an upstairs bedroom? Did the cord stretch upstairs? We didn't have upstairs when I was a kid. Nope. So didn't didn't get to do that. Okay. Well, you missed out. Because there's nothing like seeing that cord and like having someone like snag their neck on it, going to get something out of the fridge. Especially your brother. All right. <laughs> hey, one, one of my kids saw one of those phones recently, had no clue what it was. And I couldn't, she couldn't figure out how to work it. It was just, it was very comical. Yeah. Right. You know what? We were talking about WrestleMania earlier. Yeah. Um, I actually dressed up like Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Really? I did. I got a, a black vest. I painted it with his little logos and his little moniker on it. So it's funny you mentioned that. In fact, I was going up the stairs right at the start of the event. A lady almost had a heart attack because she thought it was Stone Cold. Right. That's, I mean, this is radio, but I can attest, listeners, that this man fits the bill. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> All right. So... I have a funny Verizon story that is kind of unique. So I got sick in 1996. I bring cancer in 96. And I got a job like a year later. And of course, my parents were like, you can't go out. You have no white cells. What are you going to do? And I was like, look, I'm getting on a bus. I'm going to get a job because I have to figure out what I'm alive. Go do something. And they said, maybe we should get you one of those cellular telephones. <laughs> it's like, what's that? Oh, you mean that thing that Zach had on Saved by the Bell or that Miami Vice phone? Yeah, that, but not that. So we went to a Bell Atlantic mobile. Mm. This is baby Bell land time. Mm -hmm. And they got me, God, it was like a Qualcomm brick. <laughs> you know, no internet, just regular beep, beep, beep phones and whatnot. And I remember vividly, maybe a week later, everything became Verizon. I'm like, what the hell is Verizon? Because we live on the Verizon Bridge. New Yorkers saw Verizon. No, it's Verizon. Oh, it's a very New York. New, it's a very New York thing to say to be introduced to what is now Verizon that everyone knows about as Verizon. Hmm. So thank you for that. Yeah, I'll have to remember that. <laughs> So what were some of the cool tech things you were doing as a kid? Because clearly you're born of the condition of nerdy awesome. You know, I'll, I'll never forget my little robot that I had. And I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it, but I could put it in like this cassette tape. Yes. And there was the butt push buttons in the front. Um, I don't know if you remember what that was. All right. I'm going to take a pause and Google this so okay. we can just get back. <laughs> yeah. uh, hang on. Uh, 80s robot. It was this, the 2XL talking robot. 2XL, that's yes. what it was. All right. That's All right. it. All right, we're back. We just did a Google search. It's called the 2XL. <laughs> Google it, the 2XL yes. cassette tape robot. Yes. And what, you you take it apart and put it back together? No, I didn't, but everyone thought I was just like the coolest kid in the, you know, in the in the in my neighborhood because I had this futuristic, you yeah. know, advanced robotic um, 
Yeah, it was cool. I wish I still had it today. Probably worth some money. So my dad was the Board of Ed public school teacher, and every summer the Apple computers that they used to donate to the New York City Board of Ed would surprisingly show up in our basement. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to learn all about like um, floppy disks and coding mm. and soldering hardboard like, and just like – Super cool typing, and I learned DOS and the Commodore 64s yeah. and the TRS-80s and whatnot. But what truly blew my mind, and maybe like I need to go become a tech nerd, was in Rocky IV, the robot. Mm. Please tell me you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need yes. this in my life. I'm going to work to get this robot. And I just became a super tech nerd from then on, and that kind of – Put me in a space where I like I could fix anything. Are you like super handy with tech now? Do it fix anything? Yeah, pretty much. I love to to take things apart and put it back together. Yeah, so I've kind of always done that. Can't figure out watches. Um, no, you need like that's that a one. skill. That's yeah, like you right. need like the little loop to look at the tiny gears. Right. <laughs> that's that's above my pay grade. <laughs> right. What was your first cell phone? Oh geez, my first cell phone. It's it's a hot it's a hot take question. Wow. I don't even think I you can re, even remember that. Wait, far how can back? you work at Verizon and not know your first cell phone? <laughs> right. I remember um I remember having my car phone in my 280ZX. Oh wow. 82. Dotson. Yes. Remember Dotson? Oh my goodness. Whenever I would have ladies jump in the car, I would purposely like leave my door open because it had a talking dashboard. Nice. Like door is ajar. Wow. Lights are on. That's night rider shit. I right know. There. I know. It was so cool. And I had a badass car phone. In my there. God, that is freaking <laughs> awesome! Like I just it, like it that just screams like '80s Gordon Gecko world, right? <laughs> that guy with the car, with the top down and the cell phone with the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wish I had some pictures or videos back in that day, but we didn't take pictures. Back it didn't then. do that. Yeah, it didn't do that. You know. So here's the funny. My daughter asked me. How did you take pictures back in the 80s without phones? It's <laughs> <laughs> the, the gentle innocence of today's youth. Well, we had these things called cameras <laughs> that were not part of any other device. They kind of sat on their own, and we took photos with them. She also asked me, why do we hang up the phone? Process hmm. that. Interesting. We don't hang up phones anymore. Yeah. Nor do we slam them in anger. Hmm. I'm not throwing out my $1,300 device <laughs> over being angry on a phone call. <laughs> Damn you, crack. Oh, Apple Care. <laughs> right. Not going to work. Well, my, my daughter asked me the other, other day, Dad, why? You know, so she's 12, going on 13. Or, well, we have the same age daughter. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, she asked me, why in the movies do they never say bye? And it, I never really realized that mm -hmm. until after she said that, and they never do. Right. They never say bye in, in the movies. I don't know why yep. that is. Or they just hang up like mid-sentence. Yeah. It makes right. no sense to me. Yeah. yeah. No idea. It's like 555. Five, five. I had to explain 555 five, five to my kids. <laughs> what? Like, because they heard the 867-5209 song, and like, you know, everyone called that number and like decimated the life of this poor person that had the phone <laughs> number back then. So everything's 555, five, five, and they never realized that. That everything's why is everything now they can't stop seeing five 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 and everything they watch. <laughs> My God, how far we've come, oh and yet how far we need to go. <laughs> right. So you worked in healthcare on purpose, or you landed in it by accident, or where that? I mean, do you choose that? Yeah. So it was interesting, you know. So I started out as an art major in college. I love to draw, love to paint. 
And I'll never forget my dad, Mr. Dream Killer, who said, Art, um, you're not a really good artist. And maybe that was good advice. I don't know. But from there, I, I said, you know what? Maybe I'm not. And then I, I liked health and nutrition. So I actually went to dietetics. So my undergrad is in dietetics. So, you know, clinical nutrition and whatnot. And then from there, that's what really opened my eyes up into, oh, wow, there's all this other stuff happening in healthcare, and there's some really interesting stuff. And then um, my mom got sick, cancer. So my mom died um, right after I graduated high school. And so that kind of pushed me even more into, okay, looking at clinical nutrition, but then starting to look at more kind of medicine, right? And then I went and pursued, you know, graduate degrees in, in healthcare administration, and then it was just kind of off to the races. So it's um, it's the only thing I've ever done. I came out of college and I said, hey, you know what? Let me get a modern healthcare magazine. What's the top? What are one of the top most respected healthcare organizations in the country? United Healthcare was always like number one or number two. This was the 90s, right? It, it was, yeah. yeah. And so I called up United Healthcare and ended up going to work for them and been doing this ever since. I have a similar story that millennials hate because you could just call up people and get jobs back then. Right. right. <laughs> it didn't work. It doesn't work that way anymore. <laughs> I just showed up and uh, I ended up getting a job. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, the dime store of my story is, is I, you know, the Sunday Times had a huge help wanted section. You just circle what you want, tape it to a paper, call them the next day, fax your stuff over at the local drugstore for nine, nine bucks right. of fax, and then you get the job the next day. <laughs> right. Sorry, guys. This is how it worked in the 90s. <laughs> so you just, just like when like Steve Jobs just kind of showed up at Hewlett Packard and said, you're hiring me. <laughs> so, bam, you're in healthcare in the 90s. I can relate because I was sick in the 90s. Man, that was an absolute nightmare. It was. Yeah. And you know what, what's interesting, some of the same challenges we had back then are still some of the same challenges like we're faced with today in projects I'm working on around access, yeah. you know, and, and sharing of data, that 360 review of patient. We still, it's amazing, we're still challenged with those those same areas, you know, all this many years. But I mean, like, why do we still use fax machines is a whole other podcast, but <laughs> why do we still use fax machines? <laughs> right. And yet, we're still, here we are, 40 years later, still using fax machines. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So I am lucky that I got, like, cell phone number three when Bell Atlantic came for Verizon, my number, which Kyle's going to bleep out just to tell you, and you can react to the number, is 5656. <laughs> it is the most mellifluous, perfect <laughs> cell phone number in America. And I'm never getting rid of it, despite how many people from Nigeria call me every day <laughs> and try to tell me my auto insurance needs to be renewed. That's fantastic. Can you beat that? <laughs> I don't even think I remember any of my old phone numbers. So Wait, how many cell phone numbers have you been through in 20 years? Probably five or six. Really? Yeah. That crazy? just seems like a lot of lift after tell everyone else, new phone, who dis? Yeah. I, I don't know why. Um I don't know. I've liked to kind of go clean slate every mm -hmm. so often. I don't know. It's like the number gets out there and I start getting calls from all kinds of people. And right. I just love to switch Use it. like that burner phone app every now and then. <laughs> Comes in very handy sometimes. <laughs> God bless apps. Oh, my God. I, where were you when Steve Jobs launched the iPod? Where was I? I think it was 02. Oh, my goodness. Or 01. Um so I was just finishing up at United Healthcare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
my uh, my first job out of college was United Healthcare, so I was just finishing that up. Did you ever get back to painting and art? I still do to this day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I was going to come full circle on that because your dad's like, don't do that. But you're not <laughs> supposed to tell people not to do things. All right. Yeah, no, I still do it today. I mean, it's kind of my – that and cooking. Those are my relaxation areas. And All right. Going back to like this radio, I wouldn't peg you for a guy that likes to do art and cook. But I'm now not surprised you are. <laughs> What's your favorite dish? Ooh. Um, or actually, there's two questions. So there's what does your family like that you cook versus what do you actually like to cook? Steak. My family likes steak. So my kids are spoiled because there was a butcher that opened up close to my house that only sells Wagyu. Oh, my goodness. Only sells Wagyu. So I, I've spoiled all my kids. My Last time I was in New York City over Christmas, my daughter and I went to Del Frisco's. It's and, a great place. And she was so disappointed. At Del Frisco's. They don't have Wagyu? She asked for the Wagyu. They're like, we don't have Wagyu. And she's mm. like, Dad, where'd you take me? Like, what is this place? I'm like, no, this is a nice place. Next Trust time, me. go to American Cut. Okay. Yeah. I'll write that down. Dear Yelp. Okay. <laughs> That's a great place. <laughs> they have good Wagyu there. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, you know, cast iron skillet, big chunk of garlic, rosemary, thyme, ghee, which is yes, is essential. It's a different kind of butter. Yes, it's a different kind of butter. And spoon all that on there. Take the, the roasted garlic and then squish it across the top when I'm done. Maybe finish in the oven if it's thick. But, yeah, steak is, is what I, I love to eat. And now I'm are. hungry, but we have to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Who should be our, our commercial coming up? Um, how about uh, A1 Steak Sauce? No, what's your favorite steak sauce? <laughs> None. Really? Although I got to tell you, and what is the name? Josh Capone, who um, is a really famous chef and, and somebody I really like. He did this virtual cooking show for for my company. There was a few of us that were on it. And I somebody brought up something about steak sauce, and he said, you guys aren't going to believe this. I mean, this guy owns like seven restaurants. Mm-hmm. He still loves ketchup on a steak. Oh, God. Is that amazing? That is not acceptable. <laughs> I was shocked by that. But, yeah, none, none for me. All right. Well, we're going to take a break from these messages from uh, Gary's favorite steakhouse, which is not <laughs> Del Frisco's. We'll be right back. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back because that's how commercials work. (laughs) We hope you heard an ad for something meaningful and clicked on it and paid for it and made money for us. But, Gary, we're, we're really going to nerd out on this half of the show because one might not associate Verizon with healthcare. Although, maybe I heard you say something like COVID did us a favor. It <laughs> kind of forced <laughs> us to be dependent on Wi Fi and on cell service for the first time. And it basically. You know uh, what I call like um, uh, the opposite of forced obsolescence, like forced adoption of trusting the internet in a way that we had to trust the internet when eBay happened. Yep, a very different renaissance of tolerance and trust. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, no, absolutely, and and certainly, COVID accelerated you know virtual care without question. It accelerated the adoption of telehealth. You know, Um, the, the the things that I'm excited is. What, what it's done for us is it's helped us access those patient populations who are, quote, unquote, vulnerable. I mean, almost any health system I get on the phone with today, we're going to talk a lot about health equity. We're going to talk about digital um, you know, inclusion, right? And those are the things. Really, it's one of the reasons I joined Verizon because I mentioned earlier on the part of the show that we're still dealt with the same issues like around access that we, we've been dealing with my entire career. I came to Verizon because that's one of the biggest areas that we can we can help is, is, is around access, bringing the digital divide and, and breaking that digital divide down and, and getting care and access to these individuals who typically use the ED as their primary care physician. That and then a whole other conversation around precision medicine, which we can talk about another time. Right. But um, the telecoms of the world are, are going to be essential in in kind of this next evolution of healthcare around connectivity and interoperability. I mean, transitions of care when a patient leaves a hospital and goes into this post-acute world and skilled nursing facilities and home health. Everyone are on different systems and nobody can share data and, and keep somebody connected and within the system. So those are areas that we're keenly focused on and that we can we can help out with. I mean, it just seems self-evident to the average person that if you don't have internet in your house, yeah. you can't get anything done. And what percentage of the country still doesn't have some version of broadband? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's too high of a number. I mean, I'll, it seems unconscionable that yeah. at this stage in yeah. 2023 right. in any country, I mean, any first world country perhaps yeah. or, or emerging country, that there is just how do you live without right and can cable even have some version of that yeah i mean the good thing now is we've we've kind of identified connectivity as a, as a social determinant of health yeah that wasn't the case right i mean obviously cell phones weren't you know in the past as we descri- as we were discussing they weren't what they are today they're not these little computers in your pocket back but- when you're texting with tty <laughs> and like a b b b c d e f g h i or that, that that cell phone with that little roller ball in the corner oh my the, god in the middle <laughs> thank god we are way past that i'm not sleeping tonight because you mentioned that <laughs> yeah but i mean to your point yeah i i like to as a student of history like we have better problems to have today because we, like in the 90s, like there was kind of nothing 
for support, the words I mean, to your point of your mother uh, and myself and, and other people, like the word survivorship, you just kind of got booted out. Get over it. Therapy yeah. was the way of the world. And it was still at fax machines. But there was nothing for us to discover and be made aware of to help us have less crappier lives mm-hmm. with through and beyond the disease. Today, it's an issue of almost like a, of intervention because you're not there intentionally. Mm-hmm. You're there against your will. You mm-hmm. kind of have to be there. So who is delivering the messages you need to hear, but how are those messages getting to you in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a that's a good question. I mean, it's kind of kind of all over the board, right? I mean, at Verizon, one of the things that I'm really excited about is is all of our innovation councils, what we're doing in our innovation labs, you know, hearing from our people. Uh, we're doing a lot, of, like I mentioned, around health equity, and we're listening to, you know, our our customers and 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 what they're what they're needing. And uh, well, what are they needing? Well, they're needing to be connected. Um, I, I hate to keep going back to that. The Verizon guy always talks about connections and connectivity and access to care, but that that's been kind of the missing the, the missing piece. And you know, at Verizon, we do a lot of things that people don't realize. It's not just cell phones, right? Right. I'm really excited about a project where we're putting like clinic in the boxes, or or, or um, we we've all seen like at the grocery store where you can put your arm in a cuff and it'll read your blood pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine that, but and more get COVID. On, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your Purell for Hopefully those things, not. folks. <laughs> But imagine that, but uh, a unit where you can do all these different diagnostics, you know, like oximeters and, hey, I've got an ear issue, like pull out in column B and this little kiosk pops open in ear, nose and throat. Mm-hmm. We, we can integrate telehealth into it where you can do a virtual consult. But the, the nice thing about these, and, and I think about like, I like to camp at this place in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. It's very rural. I never see a hospital. I don't see physician groups. But you know what I see? I see three or four dollar generals. So, you know, one of the things we're really focused on is putting more care and access in like the Dollar Generals of the world. And I'm not saying that brand specifically, but maybe I am. Um, but those types of things just to help with the access, because people in, in those rural areas, they're probably in there three or four times a week anyway. So mm-hmm. so why not, you know, ha- give them some form of access? So, um, what, But what kind of access would you get at a Dollar General? Is it like a literacy, flyers, pamphlets, like well, digital to, ads? Well, to sit down on a, on a kiosk. And, you know, maybe and certain diagnostics, right? Like I mentioned, the blood pressure, you right, know, right. oximeter, mm-hmm. ear, nose, and throat. But then also go through a series of questions around, diagno- around diagnostics. And maybe we can, we can find a program like the Affordable Connectivity Program. Maybe you meet the criteria, you know, that you can identify right there on the machine. Because the government is now offering money for folks who kind of are, quote, unquote, vulnerable and kind of meet a certain income criteria, Right. So we can identify different programs. Maybe it's a charity program at the local health system, um, the affordable carrier program, one of Verizon's health equity type programs. But we're trying to bring that access to to the people. And so that's one of the areas I'm really passionate about. I mean, my definition of access is being told about things you'd never know to know about. Right. In a way that's trusted. And Dollar General and the dollar stores in rural America are trusted locations. Yeah. It's a good – they're retail brands that have earned the trust of those customers. So it makes it's no surprise to me yeah. that this might be a welcomed opportunity to intervene because they're already there. Meeting them where they're at is a nice idea, mm-hmm. but just to put that into practice 
for health literacy and being made aware of things you wouldn't need to know or to think to know about, yep. it's a good idea. Right. Uh, what's been the receptivity? Like, how do you measure the customer going into this retail store and engaging with this? You, you know, um, one of the, the the measures that I get excited about is, and I'll just give you an example. We put one of these kiosks um, in our partner, put one of these kiosks in a homeless shelter, in a food pantry. And so the conversation was, hey, come on in. If you'll sit down and do a quick health screening, you know, we'll get you some food. Well, in this one study, we identified 20% of the people were in a hypertensive crisis situation. So these are individuals that are getting ready to go to the ED, heart attack or stroke. So after just having that that kiosk in there to where folks could identify, hey, there's there's a there's a problem here and we could get them the care that they need, that 20% dropped down to 6% after like 4 months. And so that right there alone is an is an amazing measurement of how we improve the quality for these individuals. So I think that's one of the, one of the, the areas I'm most excited about. I mean, another self-evident thing that I think most Americans are fully aware of now is telehealth. Yep. You know, your doctor visit online. Clearly, uh, you know, as we're recording this, I think, what is it, Lake Tahoe has 50 feet of snow. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing's working there. You can't control that stuff. But in terms of helping with stability, I mean, like every, every commercial is like America's most reliable, this reliable, this. How do you really measure reliability in areas where there's one tower? And what helps you decide we, we need another tower here? Because what's it like the, the Venn diagram and where they start to wear out yeah. is difficult because you're having a critical conversation with a doctor on your phone or on your computer and you have one bar or it goes away. What are the ways in which that's being looked at? Yeah. So, I mean, we we obviously have got a lot of very smart folks who are looking at where do we want to lay our fiber down across the country. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've partnered with, um, you know, some satellite companies, you know, um, one that you would, you would know very well. Um, Is it run by a weird guy that does electric cars? Um, it's someone else, but also <laughs> a little, <laughs> got a lot of money. He's got a lot of money. Okay, great. Um, so, you know, through that partnership where we can't get to certain areas in time with our fiber and then with our towers, we'll have some satellite access to be able to get that type of coverage into certain parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So that that's another area that we're, we're focused on just to try to, to try to help with access. and connectivity. I heard you mention before the show, like, let's look at a hospital, a single hospital, mm -hmm. right? You can't just have everyone there on their phones sharing a 5G network or a 4G network, you know, right. amongst the entire staff and the patients there. That's like finite consumer yeah. Wi-Fi, right? Or cell service. There's got to be some way to like, here's the backup generator of cell service and internet that can live inside your hospital just for you. Is that a, that's a thing now, right? It is. It is. And so I can say this now publicly, which I'm really excited. Uh, we've partnered with the Cleveland Clinic on a new hospital build. It's going to be the first hospital in the country built from the ground up with a private 5G wireless network. And that's so exciting for, for lots of reasons. The, the main reason is if you, for those that aren't familiar with like a term called network slicing, just imagine having a- No one is familiar with the term <laughs> called network slicing, my friend. I know, right? So I'll explain it to you just real, 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 real quick and easy. Imagine the 5G connection is this, is this highway and it's got all these lanes of traffic. With that connection, we can give different folks different lanes of that highway. 
you know, so that um, if it's a really critical piece of data that needs to be exchanged, maybe between cl clinicians related to surgeries or whatever, just as an example, we know no one else is going to interfere with that data traffic. No one else is getting on that lane. If it's a medical device company who wants to get viewpoints into where all their products are going in the hospital, in and out of the surgical room, is it fixed? Is it, is it broken? Do I need to have it replaced? I can give them their own lane of traffic in a hospital that's a quote unquote smart hospital that has that type of infrastructure. And then when you take 5G and you add edge computing, so I'm throwing out all these kind of nerd terms at you. Edge computing, simply what we're doing is all this data has been moving to the cloud, right? For the last, you know, five or so, whatever years. We're taking that computation power out of the cloud, moving it to the edge of the network so that we can enable like uh, AR and VR in the surgical room. So a physician with a pair of hollow lens, we can overlay all those images that we get from, you know, MRIs and whatnot. And that physician can see, you know, where the tumor is on the patient, for example, guide his or her incision. Um, well, that's not a place you want to lose service. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that would be very bad to lose that service would, while you're interoperating be, in someone's body. That would be bad. Yeah. That would be bad. In fact, at Hims, uh, you know, the big show coming up in Chicago next month, we're going to have all of that on display in our booth, in the Verizon booth. So for anyone who gets that, get up that way, they got to check it out. I'm going back to like Tony Stark and Iron Man that's with exactly, the three dimensional yes. stuff. Like Stark Tower yes. probably had his own box at the bottom. Yep. There's no way he was sharing Ford LTE or what, <laughs> what was that? 08, like 3G back then. That was that was not working at Stark Tower. Well, I'm sure he probably had his own 5G private connection in there. Absolutely. Well, he was working with like crazy, like uh, what, like uh, uh, damn, what was it called? What was the thing? The arc reactor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he was working with his arc reactor technology, mm -hmm. which in sci-fi comic books is just the most cool thing ever. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I see Tony Stark, you know, in, in that movie with the gloves, mm -hmm. that's so our partner's called Metavis. So I'll give them a little plug here. Metavis um, doing some amazing things in the ARVR space, you know, in the surgical room. As a component of that with the hollow lens are some gloves that are AI enabled where you can do the Tony Stark stuff. You know, you can put your hands in the air and kind of paint a picture. You can pull out a digital twin of the spine. Oh, my goodness. Spin it, rotate it. Um, so imagine from medical education what you could do with something like that to take the heart out, blow it up, expand it, walk inside it, look around it. I mean, from a medical education and, and the future of what's happening in our surgical rooms, Super exciting, right. and, and I'm happy to say that, you know, you're going to need that type of next-level infrastructure like sure. the Verizon can provide to mm -hmm. be able to enable all that. Yeah, that's not for, um, what, what was it called, the, the Palm Trail? <laughs> this is not Palm Pilot territory anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> or my, my, uh, my Qualcomm bricks. <laughs> right. All right, let's wrap with a good story. I mean, you, you gave us a good story, reducing the homeless numbers from 40 to 6%. What can people look forward to? I mean, this is not a plug for Verizon, of course, but yeah. what, like three years from now, four years from now, what's the big picture besides everyone gets everything? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. And I think about that a lot, right? You know, what's what's the future of healthcare? What's the future of medicine? And And I always go back to, you know, I started right after United Healthcare. I started managing emergency rooms, so spent a lot of time in the and ED. And thank you for that. I yes. have many friends that are living that every day. Yes, awesome. Not an easy task. No, no, it, it's not. And so I think a lot about, you know, just keeping people out of the ED, right? I mean, that's the number one goal, right? I, I saw so many people coming in there for all different reasons and whatnot, but whenever we have the right type of infrastructure that's pervasive across the country, and I'm going to say 5G. Imagine what we can do to 
around remote patient monitoring of patients in their homes. Computer vision. Mm -hmm. Computer vision is kind of a newer piece of technology, but what we're doing in labs with computer vision is we're, we can detect changes in respiratory patterns on a patient. Hey, maybe this patient has arrhythmia. We're, we're getting pretty close to determine if someone has COVID just by the way that they're changing their respiratory pattern. Imagine if we have that type of technology in the home um, where we could do more kind of passive remote patient monitoring. We can monitor somebody's you know, footsteps, they're changing their gait. Okay, hey, mate, they're they're at a fall risk now, mm -hmm. or you know, um, just just a lot of amazing things to help people be healthy and to stay in their homes, especially folks who are end of life. Last thing they want to do is spend their last days in the hospital, going in and out. We're focused, and I'm excited with where we're we're going and we're heading, where we can help those individuals stay in their home. You should partner with that company that makes those new falling airbags. You've seen these. Um, I'm talking with a lot of fall detection companies, but not an airbag company. They make fall detection airbags. Okay. Basically, it's like a, a like pants over pants. Oh, yes. And like if you're falling, it deploys an airbag, so you land on the airbag. It's like crazy cool. It's we got to all right. I don't know who they I'm, are. I'm, I'm going to get one of those for my father-in-law. <laughs> yeah. For Christmas. I just want one in general. He, he falls all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note. Gary, thank you so much. You are my favorite Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin lookalike I've ever had on the show. My God, I don't even know how to outro you. I mean, your title is new. Your title is all sorts of jargon here. Global lead of healthcare and life science at Verizon. Meh. You're an awesome guy. You've served the patient community really well. I'm sorry for your mom's loss. We're born of our conditions. But I'm you're not the only company doing this, but the yep. idea that it is actually happening, there's a commercial interest, there's a social interest, there's a saving people, helping, I mean, outcomes is a jargon word, mm -hmm. but you know, anything that helps us go through stuff with less crap is good for people. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having and, me. And uh, we got to come back soon because I mean, just the 80s being the half first, <laughs> the first half of the show being the 80s was therapy, and I need more of that. So yes. take care of yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much. Pleasure All right, friends. Here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Out of Patients with Matthew Zachary is an off script health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com.